I want to I want to talk to you today, and I was thinking how to explain what I feel I'm doing. I feel this is more like painting a picture. So uh, there's a few things I want to say, and I'm just going to say them. And maybe at first you may not think how's that connected to the other thing he's saying. But what I'm trusting is it's a bit like when you paint a picture. You may put a big tree over here, but without the tree, the scene doesn't look right. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? You'll get the idea, hopefully, <laughs> or it'll just be a tangled mess, whatever. <laughs> and, and sometimes it is hard to find the words to explain what God is saying, who he is, what he's doing. I mean, I love that song that we sang at the end of worship about, uh, there's that bit, you know, he's an endless ocean, a bottomless sea, and it's obviously referring to the scripture in, in Ephesians that talks about the nature of God's love, and the, I've got, there's that line about the angels swimming, and they still can't find the shore. I'm just like this picture of these very puffed out angels still swimming, you know, halfway through eternity, like, there is, there is no end, is there? There's nowhere we can pull our way out. Anyway, that really tickled me. I was just, I thought that would be fun, and there was just this moment right at the end of worship, just felt. God doing something wonderful in the room. So we want to we want to partner with that. We want to hear him, connect to him, what he's doing. So I'm going to read you. I mean, we can put it up on the screen, but I want to read you in the Amplified Ephesians one and verse nineteen and twenty one. But I'm going to read it in a different translation to the one that will appear up there. So how much help that will be to you? I don't know. But here we go. Uh, if you have a Bible, please turn to it as well. It might help you. I'll just read it out. It, Paul, this is Paul's two of, Paul has two prayers in Ephesians 4, and he's praying not just for that church, but for a whole region of churches. And it's really fascinating what he prays for. And he's praying for them, and he says, I'm praying basically that you would know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness. I mean, that's pretty big. The surpassing greatness of his power in and for us or in and towards us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. I just want to read that again. So he's praying and he's a, he's a believing man. This apostolic father of the early church is praying for these believers in these churches that they would know something that they would know and understand and, and remember we've taught this often knowledge in the new testament isn't just understanding it's gnosis it's understanding with experience so he's praying that they would know by experience the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of the power that's in them and towards them and for them as demonstrated by the, his mighty strength. So he's going on and saying, I'm praying for you that you would know this immeasurable, unsurpassed power that is at work in you. So don't look anywhere else, don't look at the person next to you or the atmosphere or outside of the car park or into church history or church future. He's praying in you, 
you would get a revelation, an understanding, an experience of the immeasurable greatness of his power in you. Not as a wistful, maybe this will happen when I die. He's praying for them to get it now. And in case we don't, in case we'd missed the point of how immeasurable and great and overwhelming this thing is, the dimensions of this power, he says that this is the same power which he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead, which is fairly impressive. But if we're not impressed, he says, not only did he raise him from the dead, but he seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. <laughs> so in case we didn't get the message, he's saying that in you, is something that you can know and understand and realize by experience that is immeasurable, that is profound, that is great, that is beyond anything you can measure, and it's in the extent and in the way and as powerful and beyond what it took God to raise Jesus from the dead and not just make him alive again, but to raise him from the dead, see him in heavenly places over all the authority and power and dominion that exists in the cosmos. And he's saying it, that's in you. And he's praying that they, would, that they would get it, that there would be a click, that there would be a, an experience, there would be an understanding, there would be something profound happen, that they would, they would get it. Do you know that sort of thing where you just know you got it and they didn't get it? Well, he knows he's definitely got it and he's praying that they would definitely get it. Because he doesn't believe that there's an elite group who are the ones who get it and they just get it for everybody else because they're the ones that don't get it. And too many times in church it's like, well, we're the leaders so we get it and you don't get it. But actually the job of the leaders is to make sure that you get it. And it's not an exclusive experience, an exclusive knowledge. It's not all tied in to certain people. This is for the whole body of Christ to experience the same power in them and towards them and for them that raised Jesus from the dead and that it's a living reality for us. So here, here I am painting a tree over here somewhere. <laughs> so somewhere, and this was coming out wonderfully in the worship, about what, what did you call them, Mark? I can't remember, but the sand things. Groins. Groins with a Y. Okay, just clarifying that, yes. <laughs> The, thanks. That's, I never heard them call that before, but <laughs> I'm having all sorts of unhelpful thoughts. Just pray for me at this moment. <laughs> so, but there is a sense of which limits have to come off in order for something so unlimited, so expansive, so profound to actually get let loose on the inside of you. And for the sand to be rearranged how he wants to arrange it. Because this is profound stuff that he's praying deep and wide. And, and there is no shore. When this gets released inside you, you're swimming in it forever. <laughs> so the limits are coming off. 
and it's internal. This is internal thing. Jan did a great job last week. Jan McFarlane preached last week about the Spirit coming on us and that we are to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. And we often pray here for impartation. I believe all that stuff. This morning, this is about what's going to rise up inside of you because he's already there. Both are true. And often we, we in Christendom, we have made heaven too far away. And, and, and it's like we're praying for heaven to come. We're praying for Holy Spirit to come this morning. Like it's a long way away. He's got to drive all the way down the M74 to get here. And so maybe if we wait long enough, he will arrive. Or if we cry out long enough, there'll be enough fuel in his car to get here. But actually, heaven is already here. Angels are already everywhere. Holy Spirit, Father, and Jesus are already around you. And when we pray, heaven come, we're actually more praying for our sake than theirs. We're praying for God to do something that catalyzes our faith, our vision, our insight, and our experience to realize what's already showed up. Just because it feels a long way away doesn't mean he is. And the enemy wants to perpetuate the lie of distance because it creates religion. Because as long as you think there is a gap, you feel like you have to do something to fill the gap. But Jesus already came, so there is no gap. That's what the cross did. The cross eliminated the gap. And we celebrated that this morning too. So there's another tree in our picture. There is no gap. Heaven is here. Holy Spirit's in you. Jesus is right up in front of you. Heavenly Father's arms are all around you. Do you experience and feel it and know it right now? Maybe not. Is it true? Yes. Do you want it to be more true in your experience? Just say yes. Well, that would never happen for me. Well, maybe it will. Because he already did everything that needed to be done in order for it to be true for you and of you. And nothing about it is to do with what you do. In fact, to do the doing, you need to receive the receiving. Whereas religion tells you you need to do the doing to get and have the receiving. But if I just, I just have one more breakthrough moment, then, then I'll be ready. Then I'll be who I'm supposed to be. If I just get the, if someone would just preach the right message, and then and, and I got the right level of understanding, then you know, then then I'll be this amazing Christian. If, if I could just nail this habit in my life and, and 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 actually pray, then I will be this amazing Christian. If I could just get rid of this thing that keeps clinging onto me, you know, then then when I've done that or I've done that or someone's done this for me, then I'll be in this amazing place. And then all the stuff I hear you telling me from the front will happen to me. That's junk. It's stuff that we think, but it isn't true. One of my favorite verse at the moment is a, a paraphrase of, of Ephesians 5.1. It says that, that, that righteousness by faith realized is access to unlimited friendship with God. Ha <laughs> ha. Just think of that for a lifetime. Righteousness by faith realized is access to unlimited friendship with God. He's saying that the context is that Jesus on the cross bought us righteousness as a free gift. Our 
faith, the faith that that actualizes and sparks in us, means that we are in that righteousness, which means we have immediate full access to unlimited friendship with God. No distance, no waiting, no travel, no no fasting, no further holiness, no hearing the right message, not getting the next impartation, all of which can be good for us, by the way. But none of those things are the things that get you to where you need to be in terms of unlimited access to friendship with Papa God. He celebrates you in your good days, and he celebrates in your bad days, and he celebrates you in your super bad days. He celebrates you when you can't see him, feel him. He loves you. He's there. He's celebrating you. And he's ready for business in terms of friendship with you. How are we doing? We're getting some trees in this picture, aren't we? (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) so one part of the idea is that ah, the faith that's in us grows and grows and realizes more and more what is already so and when we know it's already so it's a lot easier to believe it than believing we have to add something to make it so Did you know that waiting in faith is rewarded? Man, I've been waiting. All meeting. But how about waiting 40 years? 20 years, 5 years. How long have you been waiting? Still believing but still waiting. Just nod at me if you're still believing. It could have been five years, two years, 20 years. There's people in the Bible that were 40 years. Think about Caleb and Joshua. They believed to enter the land, but because nobody else did, they had to wait 40 years to enter what they believed when nobody else was believing. Isn't that amazing? But they got it. Did it get it? Did it get it? Something happens in the test. Something happens in the wait. Actually, what I believe happens is that when you're believing for something you can't see, it means you're ready to believe it when you actually see it. Some of you are going, what do you mean? Surely it's easy to believe when you see. If that were true, they wouldn't have killed Jesus. Shall I say it again? Believing, consistent believing, patient believing for what you don't yet see or possess actually gets you ready to believe well when you do see it. There are plenty of people who prayed for revival and when it came they didn't enter it because they didn't believe what they saw. People who dismiss the thing they prayed for because it comes in a form they don't comprehend. But there's something about praying, persisting, and waiting that gets you ready to believe for the thing when it comes. 
Because in your hunger and in your, and in your waiting and in your steadfastness, God is doing something in you that gets you ready for what he's going to put on you and give to you. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. That's exciting. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. I can't fully establish this, but waiting a long time it's got a really fat reward attached to it in this life and the next. So I just want to declare over some people. I know one or two of you have come into amazing provision recently of, of homes and, and uh, chunks of money paid off mortgages. I just want to declare some of you have been waiting for healings. You've been waiting for stuff to happen with your children. You've been waiting forever for a moment to happen that you really need and it still isn't coming. I just want to declare over you a couple of things. First of all, Father says, well done. He sees the faith and he loves faith. He takes great pleasure in that you are still believing for what you don't yet have. Be happy. He's thrilled. <laughs> and the other thing I want to say is for many, many, it's time. It's time. The thing you waited for, the thing you believed for is going to happen. It may not come how you think it will come, but the wait and the test and the trial has got you ready for however it comes. One of the challenges, this is another tree being painted, by the way. You can't you think, well, how does that connect to what, well, just, just stay with the painting for a minute. Just hang in there. One of the things that happens in the trial and the test and the weight of believing is internally we get refined so that we're in a place, because often the things we're waiting for are massive, aren't they? They're like, to us, we really want this amazing breakthrough. We want to see our blind eyes open or we want to see our mortgage paid off or we want to see 10,000 saved. We want to fill a stadium. We want to, we want to see, we want to, we want to change the nation. We want to do something incredible in our job. We want to yeah. get a building. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, just wish God would do that for me. <laughs> And in that process, something happens to us. Jesus said this to the, to the Pharisees. He says, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So what he's saying is the ability to believe properly is actually interfered with and, 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 and decreases the more our goal is to look good to other people and get praise from them. So there was a time in my life, you know, a lot of why I would like to be successful is so that other people would go, hey, look at that successful guy. Sorry if that's, I 
tough confession for you to hear. But like, God, would you really bless me? Would you do this in the church? Would you do this in my life? Would you do, do that through my life? You, you know, I could be the first person in Britain to raise the dead. Then I would look amazing to lots of people. Guess what? That's not faith. Because that appetite for honor from men undermines our ability to believe for God. That need for affirmation, do you know what's good for it? Being criticized. Disappointed. Misunderstood. Betrayed. It kind of weans you off the applause of people. Why has it been so tough? Why hasn't anybody seen? Why don't they understand why when I've done this, has it been rejected? Well, maybe what's going on is he's just getting you ready to get it. Maybe there's a bigger breakthrough coming to you than you realize, than you were even asking for. And God doesn't want to break you by blessing you. He's going to make you by blessing you. Because miracles aren't for show or personal advancement. or They're actually to express the Father to the world. One of the reasons Jesus walking as a man was so successful in this realm is he wasn't there to please men. He was only there to do what he saw the Father doing. And in that, he showed the world the Father, and this was a good Father who did miracles. And we've talked about that many times. Is this making sense? Planting another tree. There is supernatural solutions to all of life's difficult pains, needs, lacks, and losses. God is preparing a people who are able to deliver those solutions without it messing them up in the process. The blind will see. Cancers will be healed. There's a lot around at the moment. It's very big, isn't it? It's sort of mental health. And I believe the church is supposed to be the place where people get the most healed, emotionally and mentally. But that requires us to go further, deeper, higher than we've ever done in our own experience of the love of God because we've tended to stick on our Christianity to our brokenness rather than understand that Jesus penetrated every dark space in life and put his light there. Every dark space. No matter how dark. His solution was not an add-on to what was. Oh, I now have a new life in Jesus and I just, the old is gone. You know the, the verse, the old is gone, the new has come, which is true. But what does it mean? Where did the new arrive? 
It arrived inside the old. It wasn't stuck on the old. You'll get, get more about this. But there's a profound release of heaven's power and love coming to us that is going to see the deepest, darkest places of human experience healed and come to light. There is a power release of love and his intense favor coming to his people and coming to us that will mean we will successfully pray for cancers and they will be healed. And we will do it over and over again and we will constantly be saying, he's getting the glory and it won't go to our heads. And people all around us will see more and more, he really is a good, good father. He can reach me in my darkest spot, in my most painful spot, in my most unhealed spot, and that's who he is. We don't need miracles to happen for us or to us for personal approval. If that's our motivation, we are in a too fragile a place for God to really bless us with major breakthrough. We need to know his approval inside us as our foundation. We're getting there. The picture's forming up. I keep looking at that clock, which is absolutely no help whatsoever. <laughs> it's quarter past something, but... <laughs> how, how are we doing? See, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Jesus said it, he would give the Holy Spirit to us, and then it was better that he went away. Remember that? It's hard for us to figure that the personal, physical presence of a person could be superseded and the presence of a spirit could be superior to the presence of a person. But that's what Jesus said, so we believe it, yeah? Maybe we need to keep believing it a bit more. If Jesus was sitting next to you, could you have an authentic conversation with him and hear everything that he said? As long as he spoke the same language as you. <laughs> if Jesus was sitting next to you and you were in deep personal pain, do you think that you could actually feel his arm around your shoulder at that key moment? If Jesus was sitting next to you and you broke your leg, do you not think that he would lay his hand on your leg and he would speak something to it or he'd spit on it or something a bit yucky maybe, but it was Jesus, so whatever he did would be all right with us and our leg would be well. Is that true? He said it's better that he sent the Holy Spirit. Just think about that for another five years. See, the Holy Spirit has come to make alive and living and real everything you read in the New Testament now. Not in the sweet by and by, or not something that he did all those wonderful times in history past, but now, and always now. Why would it always be now? Because God is always now. 
God always just is. That's why he introduced himself as the I am. Let's try that again. If he is, he always is, he's not becoming. He's not about to be. He's not postponing for a better day to be someone else. Is the Holy Spirit God? Should we take a vote? He is. <clears throat> that, that wasn't a bad point. Okay, okay, we're gonna we're gonna land this and then we're gonna pray. So the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. Acts two tells us that. Jan did a great job talking about it. But Paul is also praying that the power at work in you, you would get in touch with that. You would experience that. You would you would profoundly know how high and wide and deep and profound this power and this love is that's inside you already. And the trouble is if we just think it's always there and we have to pray for impartation and it's about to come and it was great in the old days, it would be good in the new days, but what about these days is that we are never in the moment where God is in us. We always have to do better, be better, do more, hear the right thing, say the right thing, confess the right thing, Declare it, receive it, worship in the right moment, and all that can be good. But if that's a substitute for the fact that he's in you now and he's alive, it's not good. It's getting more exciting this end anyway. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus said that anyone that... that drank, believed in him, that rivers of living water, John 7, would flow from their inner being. I, I experimented one day, I think I told you, because it does say rivers, plural, not, I mean, one river is fantastic, but plural rivers, what's that like? So I got all my devices, I got my phone, my computer, my tablet, um, loudspeakers, and I found, you know, you can find this stuff on the internet, can't you? So I found every rushing river soundtrack I could and played them simultaneously in my study, and I'm like, whoa, rivers is pretty overwhelming, And this is what Paul's praying for. He's, he's, come on. He said, Jesus promised this. I am enjoying it. I'm praying for you, church, that you would receive this too, this overwhelming flow of Holy Spirit on the inside of you, welling up to eternal life. And yes, he's on you and he's in you because we're in him and he's in us and we're in the Father. So he's everywhere. Sometimes our logic just gets so befuddled. Well, well, you just said last week that we need to pray the Holy Spirit on us and keep the Holy Spirit on us. Yes. And now this week you're saying that he's in us and he needs to bubble up and be released in us. Yes. Does that make sense to lots of us? No. Does that really matter? Absolutely not. Does he care if we understand? No. He only cares that we get it. <laughs> he paid a big price for you to get this. He paid a big price for it to be possible, for it to be better, 
that he was here by the Spirit than him to be here in a physical body. He thought this was a genius plan, for which he was willing to give his own life and suffer dearly to bring to pass. It means the cross and all that was represented and we enjoyed by faith as we broke the bread and drank the wine. That means that the Holy Spirit is as comfortable being in you and on you as he is being in and on Jesus. Yeah, but you know, I didn't pray today before I came to church. That's probably true. How can he be as comfortable as being on me as he was on Jesus? He's as willing to move on you and through you, in you, as he was to move in and on Jesus as he walked the earth. No, that can't be me. That's for the person there or the back. Or you at the front. I mean, you at the front. You know all this stuff. It must be you. Well, I hope it is me. He's alive. We celebrated Easter. He's risen from the dead. But where's he rising first? Inside you and me. <laughs> Listen to some of the Bible phrases. You, <laughs> Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You are clothed in Christ. You're joined to Christ. You're in intimate union with Christ. You're his brother. You're his family member. You're indwelt by Jesus. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Father loves you. The Father's on you. The Father's gift is the Holy Spirit that he sent to you. There is nothing we can do that makes us more acceptable to the Holy Spirit. Jesus did it all so that we, he could pour his spirit on all flesh so that we could enjoy the fruit and outflow of that just like Jesus did. Because we look, smell and feel just like Jesus to Heavenly Father. So he goes, Holy Spirit rested on Jesus. Everybody smells and looks like Jesus. Everybody's going to get Holy Spirit. Just take a moment, just think, wow, he's in me, he wants to bubble up, he wants to fill me, he wants to move like a river, a trickle, whatever you got faith for, but he's there. And then, and then we could say, well, yeah, but you know, I, I come to church and I sit in a chair and I can do the songs, but... Now you're asking me about what's going on inside me. And if you only knew what was going on inside me, you, you wouldn't think that would be true for me because there's all these things in there that only I know about and aren't very comfortable to speak about and I'd rather shut them away and forget about them and just be happy. Guess what? He's sneaky. He's super sneaky. When you weren't looking. <laughs> and you didn't know what he was doing. You just said, yes, Jesus, come into my life. Do you remember that? 
He did. He only went and did. But surely he only came and camped out in the good bits and the nice bits. All those other bits behind those groins things. You know, so here's, here's one. Sorry, but that thing and that thing. Here's the good bit. Holy Spirit can come in here because this is acceptable to him, I'm sure. But I have, I have beyond the groins, I have things going on that he really doesn't want to be in. And it's too dark and yucky and horrible. And you know what? That's not true. He's already there. When you said come in, he didn't say, well, I only just do the nice bits of Andy Merrick. He camped out in all the dark spots. Well, I can't see him there. No, but he's already there. And he's bubble, bubble, bubbling away. The river's flowing. And gently and firmly and beautifully and powerfully, he's, he's for you there. And he's bubbling up everywhere inside of you. That's probably why it's rivers. He's in the nice places, he's in the dark places, in the okay places, he's in the everywhere places, inside of us. Holy Spirit is underneath everything. He's snuck in and he's not going away. He's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to make you do anything, but he is going, oh, if they would only know how deep and wide, how long and high is the love of God. And the way you're going to know it is bubble, 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 bubble. Gush, 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 gush. That couldn't be for me. It couldn't be for me. It, it's for everybody. 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 Jan did it earlier. Anybody here? Uh, everybody and anybody. Somebody is, is, have we got a room full of somebodies? He's in your body. Do you have a body? Hands up if you have a body. Just checking. Okay, if you have a body, hands up if you think you love Jesus. Even if you're unsure, you think you do. Awesome. He's there. You, he's already there. He's helping you in your uncertainty. He's helping you in your difficulty. He wants out. Not in the light to leave, but to bubble more. To, to you and I to know the extent and the height and the depth and the breadth of this thing that's going on from heaven inside us. That Jesus made possible by dying a gruesome death. Do you not think he's done darkness? It says light came into darkness, and guess what? The darkness couldn't overcome it. How do you think that my darkness is going to overcome it when he took on the greatest darkness and overcame that? He has no problem with my darkness. He has no problem with binding himself to me in all my troubles and working bubble, 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 bubble away until he starts gushing out and flushing out. I think we've got all the trees in the picture and we managed to get the river down the middle. So I think that will do. Can we stand together and then we're going we're gonna to pray. I'd, I'd just like to pray with you and then Jan is going to help organize our prayer tunnel. Which What we're going to go for is, is we, if you would like us to pray with you. We, we're, literally, we're going for unblocking your well. We're going for rise up, oh well, spring up rivers that rather than 
we're imparting, we're believing that we're just going to call out what he's already put in, a flow of the Holy Spirit from inside you, so the fire uh, rises up, not just falls. Now, he can fall as well. That's okay with us too. Are we happy? Okay, four people are happy. That's great. <laughs> so let's, let's, if you feel you can, put your hand on your abdomen. Uh, <laughs> and say to yourself and your inner man, you are very happy that the Holy Spirit is inside me. And lay it on a bit thicker if you'd like to. I really, really am pleased you are there, Holy Spirit. Just make your own words. Just... I'm going to overcome any reluctance to the fact. And I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to... I'm not completing the sentence because you might not say it if I give you the whole thing. I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to well up inside of me today. Not tonight. Not at lunch today now. I invite you to fill me. From every part of my life will you well up and spring up. Some of you feel something different already. Some of you won't. That's okay too. But actually, this is an encounter an internal encounter that rises up and bubbles up. Let's just do something else. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in every part of my inner life. Even the difficult dark spots. And I invite you to well up there too. Thank you, you love all of me, even the crappy bits. Amen. He does, he loves all of you, warts and all. <laughs>